please, and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, thank you for being here today, and I appreciate Brother Brandon making mention of Sunday school. That reminded me of what I had meant to say. And uh, we are, we're in Sunday school mode again. We had our first Sunday school uh, ministry post-COVID today, and, uh, and that was exciting. And so parents, if you have children, do your best to be here by 945, by 945, and have your kids in Sunday school. We have a fully graded Sunday school program, uh, and, uh, and your kids need all the, they need all that they can get in this day and time in which we're living. They need all the, the positivity, all the word of God. And so 945, Sunday morning, we're starting, our, we're starting our Sunday school back, and we had a good time in the pastor's class this morning, and then Lord willing, in the near future, we're going to be getting our life application groups off the ground, and there's going to be a lot going on here at 945. And so I want to encourage you to, uh, to be here for Sunday school at 945, and I know it'll take a little while to, to get it up and running, but um, I believe God's going to bless. And so let me encourage you to be here for Sunday school time. I was thanking the Lord this week, just this week. I was spending a little time with the Lord, and my Bible was just so sweet. And, and I can remember telling the Lord, Lord, thank you that I'm able to read the Bible. Well, the lady who helped me read or helped me learn how to read is in this room today. And my second grade elementary teacher is here today. Ms. Rumpel is here today, and, and I appreciate her being here. And we count her as a dear friend, and uh, I'm glad she's here today. And I'm glad that I can read, and I know that you are as well. And so let's take our Bibles and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We're going to begin in verse number 8 and read down through verse number 11. And I want to give you a few things that the Lord has laid on my heart this week. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 8. The Bible says, charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. I believe verse 10 is talking about the word of God, by the way. The Bible says in verse number 11, when I was a child, Paul says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I want to talk to you about that phrase today, as a child, as a child, or uh, as you can see on the screen this morning, putting away childish things. You may be seated this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to uh, help us today, and then we'll get right into the uh, Bible study this morning. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being back at Calvary again today. God, thank you for this good crowd that has assembled. Lord, a number of our families are away today on vacation, and uh, so, Lord, we're thankful for this wonderful, wonderful showing here today. God, thank you for everything that's been done. Thank you for the congregational music. Lord, thank you for the, the choir specials. Father, everything that's been done, we just thank you and we praise you for it. Lord, you've been so good to this church. Lord, we're so grateful for the young lady that gave her heart to Christ on Wednesday night. What an exciting time we had on Wednesday night. 
And Lord, it's good to see uh, people coming into the family of God. Lord, it could be there are those here today that have never come to that place where they have opened their heart and life to Jesus. And I pray today would be that day that they would, uh, Lord, accept Christ as personal Savior. Lord, maybe there's one here and, and they are saved. They are a child of God, but Lord, they've been living afar from the Lord for a long, long time. Lord, maybe they, uh, maybe they don't have the joy they used to have. And Heavenly Father, today they would find their way to rededicating their life to Jesus. There could be so many things. But God, I do pray that you'll work. I pray that you'll bless through the live stream as those are watching. Lord, through the live stream today, I pray, God, that you would bless that, that part of the ministry. And Lord, just come now and, and, and speak to us and, and teach us, Lord. Teach us something from your precious, precious uh, book today. I, I yield myself to the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will fill me and I pray that you'll flow through me, God, to your wonderful people. And uh, Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over the service now. And God, I pray that you would bind the powers of darkness. Lord, keep them away. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that your power would be so real in this place today that when people even come close to the property, they'll know there's something different here. So Lord, bless our discussion now. And we pray that Christ will receive praise and glory from it all. In his precious name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. In verse 11 is our text this morning. Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, Paul said, I put away childish things. It's absolutely normal and natural to begin life as a child. And the only people that have never experienced that would be Adam and Eve. They, they never knew what it was like to be a child. We believe that God created them uh, in a full adult stage, if you will. But ever since that time, human beings begin life as children and eventually growing up into, into mature adults. In the same way, it's absolutely normal for someone to begin their Christian life as spiritual babes. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. And 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So there's nothing wrong with being a babe in Christ. That's a part of, that's a part of the Christian life is getting saved and then starting as a baby. Yeah, that, that, that's the way you have to do it. You have to crawl before you can walk. You have to eat baby food before you can eat ribeye. I mean, that's just a, that, that, that's a part of life. And, and if I may say this too, Calvary, that wherever babes are, that means growth is taking place. And if you go over here to Arden Memorial Hospital on the maternity floor and there's babies being born all over the place, that means the population is growing. And if you go to a church where babes where there's spiritual babes and people are coming into the faith, well, that means that growth is taking place. And by the way, that's exactly what God had in mind. God wanted there to be spiritual growth that's taking place in the house of the Lord. But much in the same way, I want you to understand that God expects baby Christians to grow up, to grow into full-grown spiritual adults. Our Bible reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 20, brethren, be not children in understanding. But howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. 
And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that today, about uh, why, why God doesn't want you and I to remain spiritual children. I promise you this, that one of the greatest spiritual lessons that you'll ever learn is going to be around your children or around your grandchildren. And my wife and I, all of our kids are grown now and gone. We're empty nesters, having the time of our life. But anyway, and, uh, and we have seven grandbabies now, and they're, they're amazing. I mean, we love, we love that grandparenting stage, and they are so much fun. They are, aren't they? They really are. You grandparents know what I'm talking about. I mean, just fill them full of sugar and send them home. It's awesome, man. I'm telling you what it is great. It is just wonderful. And uh, but the other day as we were spending some time with the grandkids, just having a good time, the Spirit of God began to speak to my heart about the message that I'm going to give you today. As I began to watch the, the grandbabies and we were, you know, having some time with them and and the Holy Spirit really began to speak to my heart. And that's really sort of where this message was born from. But, but why God doesn't want you and I to remain spiritual children for the rest of our life. He wants us to grow up. So I want to talk to you just a little bit about that today if I could. And why God doesn't want us to remain spiritual children. How about this? I want to deal first of all with the words of a child. Look back at your Bible if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse number 1. Paul says, when I was a child... Here it is. He said, I spake as a child. I spake as a child. Children use childish words. That's just what children do. And by the way, they do that because they're children. Children use childish words. Sometimes, how many know that sometimes kids, they just talk randomly. They don't have a, a, a reason. They don't really have anything to talk about. They just want to talk. They just want to be heard. And, and, and here's the thing too. What they're saying doesn't even have to make sense. I mean, sometimes they'll just put words together and just they're in the back seat and you're thinking, what is this kid talking about back there? And they're just going on and on and on. And I wrote this down in my eyeline that a child often doesn't know when to hush. They just talk and talk and talk and talk. I heard this week about a church that didn't even have to print a bulletin. Because there was one woman in the church who made sure everybody knew everybody's business. And that's how it is. I mean, a lot of times uh, kids just, they just have a tendency to talk. And, and, and as, as I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about our grandbabies and, and I was thinking about kids, uh, this thought came to my mind. Uh, children often repeat the words they've heard others say. That's why you have to be so careful about the way you talk in front of your kids. Because sometimes they'll just, they'll just say what you say. And if what you say is good, they'll say it. But if what you say is bad, they'll say that too. And they don't know any better. And they didn't mean to use words like that. And they didn't mean to use, you know, language like that. But they are just, they are just saying what they heard others say. I, I read the story about a family that had some neighbors over for dinner and and they were trying to impress the neighbors. And so they had the, uh, you know, they had the table all decorated up and set really, really pretty. They all got around the table. And so they thought, well, you know, we'll have uh, little Johnny. We'll have little Johnny pray. And, and so the mother asked Johnny to pray. She said, honey, why don't you say the blessing for us? And there was a hesitation. And, and little Johnny said, I don't know what to say. And then mama made a bad mistake. Mama said, well, Johnny... Just say something like you heard daddy talking to mama this morning. 
And so little Johnny put his hands together and he bowed his head and he said, dear God, do those neighbors have to come tonight? And <laughs> children say childish things. They just, they talk like that because they're a child. That's what a child does. How many know this? That children awful say, uh, often say hurtful things without realizing it's hurtful. Well, kids are blatantly honest. They just say what comes to their mind. And, and by the way, if you don't teach them and train them, well, they'll, they'll grow up. And boy, we're living in that generation right now, aren't we? They'll grow up just saying anything that comes to their mind. Uh, children will, also, will, will often make reference to a person's skin color when you don't want them to make reference to someone's skin color. And they'll say it right out in the store and right out, you know, in the grocery store. Uh, sometimes kids will say things. And I'm not saying they should. I'm just saying sometimes kids will say something like this. Mama, why is that man so fat? Sometimes they'll say it to the man. Why are you so big? Or sometimes they'll say really, really hurtful things like this. Preacher, where did your hair go? Why don't you have much hair on your head? <laughs> and uh, and I say that's what happens after thirty years of preaching or pastoring a Baptist church. You you uh, it turns loose or turns gray or both. Now again, I'm just I, I'm trying to make a point this morning is that children say childish things. In fact, I thought about that story over in Second Kings chapter two, uh, verses twenty three and twenty four. The Bible says that Elisha was a bald man, and the Bible says that Elisha the prophet came into the city. And there was a group of kids that came out and they began to heckle the man of God. And they said, come up, thou bald head. Come up, thou bald head. And they began to make fun of Elisha because he didn't have much hair on his head. By the way, you read that story, it didn't turn out too well for him. The Bible says that two she-bears came out of the wood and it tear, I think, 40 and two uh, of those children. But kids say hurtful things. Kids use childish words. But when Christians begin to grow, they start monitoring their words. A lot of times baby Christians say things that they necessarily shouldn't say. But here's the idea. When you and I grow and when you and I mature in the faith and, and when we begin to walk with God and we begin to go to church faithfully, uh, the, the hope is this, that our words begin to grow up, that we start monitoring our words. And by the way, just in case you're wondering, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures throughout the word of God that deal with the mouth. In fact, if there is a subject that's dealt with in depth, it's gotta be the subject of the mouth. Now, I want you to hold your place in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but I want to at least draw one of those out today. I want you to turn over to James, if you would, this morning. James chapter number three, and look at verse number two. And I want you to notice the strong admonition that James gives us concerning the mouth. James chapter three and verse number two. Toward the back of your Bibles. James chapter three and verse number two. The Bible says, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Verse 5. 
Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. You'll notice there's an exclamation point right there. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. (laughs) Boy, James James is really giving it to us here. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now, again, church, I want you to understand that that's just one small place. of uh, uh, The Bible says much about the mouth, much about our tongue, much about our language. But I just want to say this. It is really a great day. It's really a great day when our mouth finally grows up. And if you want some hurt to come in lives or you want hurt to come into church or you want hurt to damage a ministry, you just let your mouth go off. And you'll do amazing, amazing damage. By the way, it'll hurt your ministry. It'll hurt your family. It'll hurt your job standing. It'll hurt your place in society if you just say the first thing that comes to your your mind. You say, well, preacher, I'm just the kind of person I give people a piece of my mind. Well, friend, I hate to tell you this, but you've given too much of it out. We need to control our mouth. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter four, verse number 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. The word edifying means to build up. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Colossians chapter four, verse six says it like this. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. What's it saying, preacher? It's saying that before you let words come out of your mouth, make sure you take a little time and season those words. Just like you would season your food. Before you partake of it, take some time and season your words. And think about this. Is what I'm getting ready to say, is it going to help or is it going to hurt? Is it going to mend a heart? Is it going to break a heart? Is it going to strengthen this ministry? Is it going to hurt this ministry? Is it going to help my marriage or is it going to harm Oh, yes, good neighbor. Or is it going to harm my marriage? And listen, if it's the latter, you say, well, preacher, it's probably going to hurt the church. It's probably going to hurt my marriage. It's probably going to hurt my kids. It's probably going to hurt my my testimony. Then here's what I'm saying. Don't say it. This is why I can't help it. Well, kids sometimes can't. But when you grow up and you mature into a spiritual Christian, it means that you begin to monitor what you say and you control your words. So we noticed this morning the words of a child. But how about this? Number two, we noticed the will of a child. Now turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 11. This is so important. The Bible says in verse 11, Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. And then he said this, I understood as a child. The word understood means it's the idea of entertainment or exercising the mind. How many know if you've got little kids, you have to entertain them all the time? You've got to have something for them to be doing, looking at it. It just seems like they're always demanding entertainment. It's because they're 
Their attention span is so small. A child is easily distracted. That's what our Bible's teaching right here. Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. And then he said this, I was distracted as a child. I had to be entertained as a child. It takes literally nothing to get a child distracted. You know what I'm saying? We have our, our grandbabies over some time and we'll have a cartoon on or something like that. And, uh, and Miss Tammy's getting ready to feed the kids and they are sometimes they're so glued to the cartoon that I'll have to say, boys, we're gonna pause this until you take five bites. And we literally have to pause it because they are so distracted. They're so easily distracted by what's before them. Now, I said that to say this. Did you know the enemy is very good at supplying numerous distractions for immature Christians? He, he wants you to focus not on God, not on the word, not on Jesus Christ, not on a so great salvation, not on the fact that you have eternal life, but the enemy wants you to focus on things that are gonna get you distracted. Yes, sir, brother. He wants you to focus on people. He wants you to focus on problems. He wants you to focus on politics. He wants you to focus on programs. He wants you to focus on pettiness. He wants you to focus on imperfect people. And if you're not careful, you'll get your mind, you'll get your eyes on someone or something in the church. And before you know it, you are completely messed up. Now listen, church, I don't know if this is good preaching or bad preaching, but I'm just telling you this. Did you know one of the greatest things that you'll ever do is right now, wherever you are in your Christian life, it's just to say this, I ain't quitting. I'm not quitting on God. I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care what that brother does. I don't care what that sister does. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they do. I don't care how they treat me. God, you've got me. I'm yours. I'm your child. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just gonna stay where I am doing the will of God. I know that you know this already. You should never do this while doing this. I can't do this when I'm not doing this. I definitely can't do this while I'm doing this. In fact, I don't do this. I do this. So that's, that's what I do. Now, wait a minute now. You shouldn't text and drive. The reason you shouldn't text and drive is because it distracts you. Yes, sir. You, take your, you take your eyes off the road. You take your mind, your attention, your focus off the road. You say, Pastor, just, just for a few seconds. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. But when you text and drive, young people, y'all listen to preacher this morning? When this is good preaching, whether you know it or not. Oh, yeah. When you text and drive, it takes your focus off of the road. But I said that to say this, a lot of Christians attend church like they're texting and driving. I mean, they are so, they are so distracted. They are so focused on so many other things. And, and this is what I want to, this is what I want to say today, Calvary. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus when you come to this church. And, and uh, you listen, you come here very long. You're going to understand a few things. You're going to understand this preacher's not perfect. You're going to understand this preacher's family's not perfect. My wife's not perfect. I mean, she's an angel. 
Always up in there harping about something. Amen. But, I, but, but no, she is an angel. But I'll tell you this, she's not perfect. And if you come in this church and you get your eyes on somebody, you get your eyes on a deacon, you get your eyes on Brother Brandon, you get your eyes on a choir member, you get your eyes on a problem, let me tell you what happens. You get distracted. And it gets your eyes off of what you need to have your eyes on. Listen, the only perfect person in this church is Jesus. He's the only one. We've all got problems. We've got, all got issues. We've all got uh, these little weird things about us. And, and listen to me now, church. This is good preaching whether you know it or not because you come in here and if you're not spiritually mature, the devil loves to get you distracted. He loves to get your eyes and your mind and your focus on other things. And this is what I'm saying. When you grow up into a spiritual adult, you know what you've got to do? You've got to make sure that you control your mind and stay focused on what you're doing. You guys that play golf, you know what I'm talking about. One of the major, major rules of golf is this. You must focus on the ball. And it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. It's just keep your eye on the ball. When, you're, you know, when you swing, you always want to look down the fairway. You're already looking where the ball's going to go before you even hit it. And then you don't have to look very far because you don't hit it very far. You've got to focus on the ball. Focus. Miss Tammy and I were in a, we were in a funeral the other day, a graveside service for a, a great friend of mine. Never had this happen. While the funeral service was going on, pretty, pretty good crowd had gathered around this graveside. While the funeral service was going on, I noticed I could tell folks were beginning to get very distracted. And I was doing my best to you know, whenever there's distraction, I always try to keep my eyes on the person who's doing the speaking. The more you turn away, the more others are going to turn away. And so I was doing my best to keep my focus on the one that was speaking, but I could tell more and more and more folks were getting distracted. And what happened was there was a lady in the funeral service who fell out dead. I mean, I'm not talking she was having problems dead. She collapsed on the ground. I had a little small part in that service that day, but also Brother Jordan Dagenhart. Some of you know Brother Jordan, who's been here before and plays and sings. Brother Jordan's family was there that day singing. Brother Jordan's sister is a life flight nurse. She works on a helicopter, and they fly back and forth to these traumas and these wrecks, and it's what she does for a living. When Brother Jordan's sister saw what happened, she immediately went into rescue mode. I'm telling you, church, it was the most amazing thing. She forgot about the service. She forgot about dress clothes she had on. She was, you know, really nice looking, but she forgot about all the dress clothes. And she and another nurse got down on the ground with this lady I mean, just down and dirty, got down with that lady and they began to check pulses, no pulse here, no pulse here, went down here, no pulse here. And, uh, and you could hear them, no pulse, no pulse. And, uh, and immediately they went into full-blown CPR and rescue mode. And man, the whole crowd was just, the whole crowd was in shock. They were watching. And, uh, and then a little bit later, you heard her say, I got a pulse. I got a pulse. In the meanwhile, there were police officers there. They'd called the, the EMS and the uh, ambulance had made its way. 
And we watched that day as Brother Jordan's sister saved that lady's life. It was incredible. After the ambulance left, I walked up to her and I said, I'm telling you something, that was incredible. That's one of the most incredible, most incredible things I've ever seen in my life. Now, you say, what does that story have to do with what you're t- preaching about this morning, Pastor? I'll tell you what, Brother Jordan's sister was totally focused. Did you know that she didn't have one other thing in her mind while that was going on? She forgot about everything else. She wasn't in funeral mode. She wasn't in singing mode. She wasn't in ministering mode. She was in saving mode. And man, they were absolutely, it was amazing. They were absolutely focused. Now, this is what I'm saying. When you grow up as a child of God, it's very, very important that you control what you're thinking about. It's, it's, it's very important that you stay focused as a child of God and make sure that you don't get your eyes on a preacher, don't get your eyes on a deacon, don't get your eyes on a church member, don't get your eyes on a problem, don't get your eyes on an imperfection. Hey, keep your eyes on Jesus. And so we see the words of a child. We see the will of a child. We're done today. How about this? Number three, we see the ways of a child. Now look back at look back at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11 again. And Paul said, When I was a child, he said, there were several things I'd done. He said, I spake as a child. And then Paul said, I understood as a child, easily distracted. And then Paul said, I thought as a child. The word thought there means to conclude or it means reasoning, reasoning. The way a child's mind reasons is very different than an adult. And I I thought about just several things and I'm done today. I thought about this. A child has a tendency to act silly. Proverbs twenty two fifteen 15 says it like this. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. That word foolishness is the Hebrew word eulet, and it means silliness. Silliness is bound in the heart of a child. That's what it's saying. Why do kids act so silly? <laughs> because they're kids. That's what kids do. But when you grow up, spiritually speaking, you know what ought to happen? You ought to begin to lose a lot of that silliness. It's, it's crazy, preacher. It's crazy. Uh, when we first started pastoring 30 years ago to what it is today, totally different ballgame. Different world altogether. Now somebody gets out of church and you go, Visit them and, you're, and you say, you know, what happened? What, what got you out? And they'll say something like this. Well, somebody looked at me wrong. So-and-so looked at me wrong. Or they'll say things like this. Somebody took my seat. Or somebody didn't shake my hand. Or I don't like the color of the chairs. <laughs> or I don't like the brand of coffee they're serving. And you know, you know what that sounds like? It sounds just like kids. I'm better than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm faster than you. I'm smarter than you. I sing better than you. I got more friends than you do. You know what people who, who, who live like that, you know what they're showing? They're showing just how childish, 
and how spiritually immature they really are. If you know someone who's just that way and they are just childish, just childish, you know what they're doing? They're telling on themselves and what they're saying is, I'm not walking with God. I'm not spiritual. And because I'm not spiritual, I'm still spiritually immature and my heart is still full of silliness. But I thought about this as well. Not only is a child has a tendency to act silly, but a child has no sense of urgency. They never get in a hurry. Totally unconcerned about a schedule or, or being on time. And you know, those who are immature in the faith are the same way. Their attitude is, I got plenty of time. I got plenty of time to serve the Lord. There's no rush. I mean, preacher, I'm gonna get right one of these days. One of these days, I'm gonna... I'm going to dedicate my life to Christ. And one of these days, I'm going to get serious about serving the Lord. But the Lord Jesus Christ taught us this, that time is short. In John chapter 4, verse number 35, Jesus said, Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, the Lord said it like this, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And in verse 16, he said, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. We promote this little book with our visitors. It's called Knowing About Growing. We taught these lessons in an adult Bible class several years ago, and the Lord just really blessed the class, and and I thought, man, I need to put some of this into book form. And so we did that. One of the things that we talk about in this book is a birth deformity or a birth, whatever you want to call it, a birth malfunction called Benjamin Button disease. You say, what is that, Pastor? Well, it's where a baby is born, but that baby never matures. That baby turns 10, 12, 15 years old, but it still looks like a little baby. Its body doesn't mature. Its mind doesn't mature. And although it may survive for quite a while, it never really, it never really matures. Why? Because it has something called Benjamin Button disease. You know what I'm afraid? In a lot of our churches, people have a spiritual deformity. It's spiritual Benjamin Button disease. They've been in church for years and years and years and years and years, but never growing, never maturing. They still are the same immature child that they've always been. This is, and this is what I'm preaching today, Calvary. Let's grow up. Man, let's grow up. Let's, let's walk with God and spend time in our Bible. and Let's walk with God in prayer. Let's be in the house of God every chance we have. And let's grow up into spiritual, mature adults. Would you bow your heads with me around the house today? Father, thank you for this time that we've had together today. God, your word encourages us to grow up. Lord, we're to grow. Lord, we're, we're not supposed to be at the same place this year as we were last year. God, we... We ought to be growing every single year. God, we ought to be spending more time in the Bible, not less. We ought to be developing our prayer life. 
not going without. Father, we ought to be learning to focus on Christ, not the deacon, not the choir member, not the imperfect church member that's in the church. Well, that's what kids do. Kids are distracted by things and stuff. Lord, spiritual adults are focused. God, I pray today that you would work in hearts. And Lord, Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Father, maybe there's some things today that you've dealt with our heart about that we ought to put away. And I pray that you'd help us to grow. Help us to grow in our Christian faith. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. And uh, just a question or two so I know how to pray. How many are here today You say, Pastor, if I died today, I know for sure that I'm saved. I know that I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. And if you can honestly say that, would you just slip your hand up and you can slip it up and take it right back down again. And I appreciate all the hands. Hey, can I ask you this one though? Is there one here today anywhere and you'd say, Pastor, I couldn't raise my hand. And if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. And I'm not come back and try to, to try to get you to come down an aisle. I just want to pray for you. And right now, you'd say, preacher, remember me. If I died right now, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to remember me. And you'd slip your hand up right now. Is there one anywhere like that? Right now, you just raise it up, sort of raise it up and wave it at me so I don't miss you. Pastor, remember me. If I died, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I'm going to pray for this one. Is there anybody else this morning? Pastor, if I died right now, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you remember me? Is there one anywhere, anywhere today? You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I am saved, but I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. You know what? I don't know this is the fact that it could be there's somebody here today and you'd say, Preacher, somewhere along the line, I got my eyes on a person. I got my eyes on something other than Christ. And man, it just got us all messed up. Well, I'm going to pray for you today. Pastor, I am saved. Oh, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. Hey, if that's you, I'm going to invite you to come in just a moment. This altar is going to be wide open. You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I am saved, but I'm not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching body. And we feel it the will of God that God would have us join with this local church that I invite you to come. It could be many things. But if God spoke to your heart today, I'm going to ask you to make a move for the Lord, all right? Would you stand with us all over the house this morning, Father? Thank you for this time we've had together today. And God, I pray that you'll take this 
feeble attempt at preaching. And God, somehow I pray that you'll bring the increase from it that Jesus might receive all the glory and the praise. I pray for this one that raised their hand for salvation. God, I pray that you would give them understanding and I pray they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. God, I pray for those that need to rededicate their life to Christ or those that need church membership or Lord, it could be many things today. God, I'm praying for that one right now that somewhere along the line they they got their eyes on something. They got their eyes on a problem. They got their eyes on a person or a preacher. And Lord, they, because of that, they sort of stumbled. God, today I pray that they'll find their way to the cross. And God, I pray that they will, Lord, get back in fellowship with you again. Lord, have your way in this invitation. Do that which only you can, please. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask our personal workers if they would make their way quietly to the front today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, there's a need, there is a need in my life, I'm going to invite you to come right now. Just step out and come. And if we can help you, the altars are open today. We have some folks here along the front that would love to pray with you today. And so if you have a need, any need at all, I want you to step out right now. And we're praying for you. We're rooting for you. If you're watching by way of live stream, we're so glad that you're watching this broadcast. There's a number on the bottom of your screen. And if you're watching this broadcast and you don't know that you know that you know that you're saved, I want you to reach for your phone. I want you to call that number on your screen right now. And we have some folks that are waiting by. They want to pray with you. If you're watching this broadcast and you have a heavy, heavy burden and you say, Pastor, I need prayer so desperately, I want you to call that number. We want to pray with you today. Would you do that? Would you do it? Let's just keep our heads bowed for a moment. We're going to sing in a minute. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've got a need. I want you to come right now. Whatever it may be, just step out. Just step out and come on. And we want to meet you and greet you here today. Would you come while we wait?